This episode of Classic City Crime is brought to you by Belinda Landers Jackson, a sales and leadership coach with Southwestern Coaching. As the oldest direct sales company in America, Southwestern Coaching comes from a 165-year history of building salespeople and sales culture. They believe in seeing people not for who they are, but for who they can become. Their one-on-one coaching program is crafted for salespeople and business leaders of any level in any industry looking to increase income, master time management, and hit their goals with guaranteed accountability. Do you or your team need an extra boost of motivation to create momentum for sales growth? They are looking for growth-minded and open-minded business professionals. Schedule a one-on-one discovery call with my friend Belinda today at southernsalescoach.com to learn more about how coaching might be a fit for you and your business. This episode of Classic City Crime starts now. again to Belinda for sponsoring. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Classic City Crime. I'm Cameron J. Season 1, The Tara Baker Story. This is episode 22. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I do sincerely hope that everyone is staying well and staying uplifted. You know, I know there's a lot going on in our country and there is a lot that seems to divide us, but there's good news here at this podcast. We are all united in this community behind the cause of justice, the search for the truth, and hope for a resolution for Tara's case and many other cases here in our city and surrounding areas that have gone unsolved and, yes, under-investigated. Our unity is revealed in the countless people who have spoken out to have their voices heard and their truth heard. Our unity is revealed in the thousand people who have already signed on to the Justice for Terra petition. And yes, our unity is revealed in our growth over the last 22 weeks with the Baker family with us and by our side every step of the way. You know, I will be honest this week, only about half of what I've uncovered has made it into the podcast for a variety of reasons, ranging from legal to my efforts to protect the integrity of the ongoing investigation. There have been many nights that Kyle can attest to of tears, and you know, just this week I had a moment of emotion where I felt like perhaps I had failed in finding the truth or failed in some way. It didn't take long for Kyle, however, and the rest of the Baker family to remind me of just how far we've come together and how the story is not over, the work not yet done. Together, we've been able to eliminate people who were the focus of police investigations in the past, like Tara's boyfriend, who I've gained a new friend in. We've been able to take a closer look at people who were mentioned by police and the media early on, but might have fallen to the wayside. People like the attorney with whom Tara worked with, and the aunt, who said he had her laptop. We looked at the maintenance man, who investigators took a hard look at in 2006, and yes, as a search 20 years in the making would have it, we visited the possibility that perhaps the person who did this was not on the police radar at all. People like D and the spider. At times, I know this search has gotten uncomfortable for some of you. It's gotten that way for me too. I know it's been quite emotional for no one more than the Baker family, who has opened their life, their hearts, and their story to all of us with the belief that something new could change everything. 
It's always been said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And I think the Baker family, with me and with all of you, have broken the cycle of insanity on this case. And for that, I think we have a lot to be proud of. As I've told you before, when I started this journey, I immediately reached out to the athens Clark County Police Department asking to work with them, not against them, to try a new method of community outreach to start conversations and perhaps get people who would not normally speak with police to feel comfortable in telling their stories. And this is not something that's unheard of. It's proven in successful cases like the Tara Grinstead case. And our very own special guest, Jeff Reinick from the FBI, he's currently working on a case with a podcaster right now, doing something similar on a case that it seems DNA and a confession will never solve. But you know how that story of my outreach to the police department goes. They couldn't do it due to workload at first. They've never been able to answer any of my questions, and they only contact me when they want information, information that has usually already been given to them, and that they would see if their eyes were open. For example, when the police department swore I leaked the video of the maintenance man at the scene of the crime, that I had to have been tipped off regarding its existence, that someone somewhere had to give me this file. Well, no, that's not the case at all. I personally just sat at my computer for hours, combing through every video archive available at the University of Georgia until I found myself looking at the scene myself. Any one of you listening could have found this. Any of the investigators could have found this with dedication to hours of less than exciting news footage that I can tell you. Just this week, investigators reached out to me regarding the name of a witness who had been asked to be anonymous, someone who feared for their life and who I gave my word and my trust to. The odd thing is, the police knew her name all along. She had emailed them just before contacting me, an email that I have received. And what did the response she got say? Well, it said, take your complaints to the Ethics Commission or to the GBI. Again, this was a name they had all along and turned away. So what does all of this mean to me? Well, it means to me that yes, the investigation is active, but my question is why am I doing the work for them? I'm certainly not on the payroll. And why aren't they interviewing every single person who has spoken out here? I can confirm nearly every single person who has spoken out on this podcast has not been contacted by the athens Clark County Police Department. Some of them are still waiting calls back. I say all of that to bring it back to this overarching theme. We've done a lot together, and I'm proud of the work we've done and will continue to do with the Baker family and with all of you. When I caught word that local powerhouse attorney and brilliant legal mind Ed Tolley was a fan of the podcast, I couldn't help but reaching out to him to talk about his thoughts and his advice as we move forward. He actually knew quite a bit about Tara's case, and not just because it was in the news, no, he might have represented someone close to the case. Here's my chat with local attorney Ed Tolley. All right, well, we are here with local attorney and legal powerhouse, Mr. Ed Tolley. Ed, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me this evening. Glad to be here. Thank you, thank you. So tell everyone a little bit about who you are, how long you've been here in Athens, and, you know, what your experience is here in the legal world. Well, I attended the University of Georgia uh, undergraduate and graduated in 1970, spent time in the U.S. Army, and then came back to law school and graduate school. And I've been practicing law since uh, 1975, which puts it right at 45 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of that has been uh, 
based here in Athens, although I go all over to uh, engage in, in different types of cases. How did you come to know about Tara's case specifically? I know you were in Athens at the time, big newsmaker there, but um, how did it come to be that you came to know it so well? Well, you know, we employ a lot of young people in our law firm here, which is Cook and Tolly, and so Tara worked over at Forts and Bentley, and I did not know her, but I certainly knew every lawyer in Forts and Bentley, and Hmm. um, it was big news in the legal community because even though she was just a law student, she still worked at a law firm, so it was sort of a death in the family, so to speak. Uh, you have to remember that 20 years ago, the Athens Bar Association was much smaller mm-hmm. than it is today. So it was very personal, I think, to almost all the lawyers in town. Uh, I can acknowledge that I did represent an individual who was um, placed under suspicion by the university police mm-hmm. uh, uh, until it was determined that he was not an appropriate suspect. So, Ed, I, I contacted you because I've, I heard from a little birdie that you were a fan of the podcast, so I've got to ask you what you think about the podcast and what we've uncovered so far, you know, as it relates to this case. Well, I'll give you credit for digging. <laughs> you have dug up, uh, and, and that's a very serious comment because, you know, the reality of, of the world is that police departments have limited resources and, um, how much time they spend on any individual case can often be very limited by the circumstances of what's happening in the community. So I think that you had the luxury, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. uh, and the desire and the interest to literally turn over every stone you could find, which I'm sure the bakers appreciate because all they, all they really want is information and, uh, you know, of course they want to catch the perpetrator, but they certainly needed more information, and I think you have very kindly provided that for them. Sure, and I wanted to ask you as an attorney, um, what, what specific findings that we've, you know, covered in the, in the podcast would you find interesting, or do you find interesting in those stones you're talking about that we've un- unturned and turned over? Well, I, I found... At each level of your investigation, I I found that there were certainly compelling facts that would intrigue any lawyer investigating the case or any policeman investigating the case. Mm -hmm. But I might have commented to you earlier at another time that what I found most intriguing, perhaps, in the evidence was what I call a signature, uh, which would be the arson. Uh, in my experience, uh, and there's a lot of it in 45 years, I've represented bombers, uh, I've represented arsonists, represented burglars, and what you find is that these people who perpetrate these types of crimes tend to repeat themselves over and over again. Hmm. So we call them signatures. Uh, A bomber signature is much more defined perhaps than an arsonist signature. But if the fire started the way you've described, which is a blanket on the stove, that's kind of unique. It was one of only two in Athens that year. Mm-hmm. And so that really piqued my interest. I thought it was a very interesting fact. Uh, it's just, you know, if you were building a case, it would be one of several facts, but certainly a very important fact. And, um, you know, so, yes, there were things about your podcast that really got me interested and also because probably, and very honestly, I knew a lot of the players that you mentioned. I knew a lot of the people 
that uh, were involved one way or the other in the case. One thing that I really wanted to ask you about, um, especially with your expertise, you know, this case has experienced several different things. It's experienced 20 years. Um, it's experienced apparently no DNA in the case. Uh, it's experienced what some could call a botched investigation initially. Those are my words, not yours. There's just been a lot of mishaps with this case. So let's just hypothetically talk about you know, what if there is not an arrest uh, in the case, or perhaps the people responsible for or involved in Tara's case are deceased? Um, what avenues do you think there could be for the family to obtain justice? You know, everyone thinks that justice means a guilty verdict, but what, what do you think that word means, and what do you think uh, could be in it for the Baker family? Well, boy, that's a difficult question to answer, but um, just trying to look at it from the perspective of the Baker family, you know, justice may never be achieved if the word justice means I've caught the perpetrator and put him in jail, mm -hmm. uh, or I know who the perpetrator is and the perpetrator's dead. On the other hand, they, they should find a great measure of satisfaction in all the information you have been able to uncover for them uh, and and by that I mean at least they know a much much more than what they ever knew about this case and perhaps they based on the things that you've discovered have reached their own conclusions mm -hmm. but I do have to believe that this information was of some comfort and certainly of great interest to them and you know like I've said we're not done yet and it's not over till it's over right um, well, right. Ed, I have to ask you one thing. You mentioned your involvement representing a bomber and some several other interesting cases that we talked about in your office, so I have to ask now on the record, do you promise to come back and talk about those with us in the future? <laughs> well, if, the, if you think the public would find them interesting, um, I'll have to dust off some old law books and case <laughs> files, but of, of course... Um, I guess uh, one way to describe it is that I've been a lightning rod for controversial cases for many years. And, um, and so, yes, I have a lot of stories, and I'm more than happy to, to talk about them. I, I do hope that the Bakers will find some peace with this. Uh, it's, I have a, a child. He practices law with me. So I, I, know the, I know where the family thought their daughter was going, and my heart goes out to them. I think any anybody should feel the same way. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you mentioned that you're no stranger to um, causing controversy. I'll say that's one thing you and I have in common. So, Mr. Ed Tolley, local Athens attorney, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us here at Classic City Crime. I'm glad to talk to you. Have a good holiday. Take care. Now, like I said in the interview, Ed's knowledge of legal cases here in Athens is unparalleled. Specifically, his knowledge is on cases that I'm interested in. Are you still wondering what really happened in that beautiful home at the corner of Oglethorpe Avenue and Sunset? Have you heard of the local legendary T.K. Hardy's saloon and the murder of its owner? We're going to be exploring several of these stories and some classic city crime specials over the holidays, so we're not going away completely. Stay tuned. I cannot wait to share some of this Athens history with all of you. When we come back, the Baker family is here to answer some big and weighty questions. What have been some of their light bulb moments over the last 20 plus weeks? And where are their hearts, their minds, and their focus set now? We'll be right back. 
We're breaking this week for some classic city crime announcements. Last week's sponsor was Berryman Farms, a Christmas tree farm just outside of Athens. Now their opening day is November 21st, and I'm going to be there from 10 to 2 to say hi to all of you, and they are doing something super special. Come out for opening day and bring an ornament to place on the Tara tree, a memory tree for Tara Baker. We'll be boxing up all of your thoughtful memorial ornaments to give to her sweet family as a gift for the holidays from all of you. Be sure to follow Berryman Farms on Facebook for more information, and don't forget, November 15th is the last day to support Kismet Designs and our podcast by getting your official Classic City Crime Tumblr. You can order these on our Facebook group at CCC Insiders. Finally, a reminder to sign the petition for Justice for Tara. You'll hear that mentioned here in the next little bit, and you can find that on our Facebook page and in this podcast episode's description. With that, let's get back to episode 22. Welcome back. You know, if there's one thing that I didn't know about myself before that I've learned now is Cameron J can be super sensitive. And I used to view it as a flaw, but I'm trying to embrace it now as simply a part of who I am. There are times when people's comments can really get to me, but then I remind myself that there's only one group of people I'm doing this for, and that's the family of Tara Louise Baker. Their opinions of this podcast and our direction are what matter to me most. And I think all of you would agree. That's why I wanted to end this episode and this part of our journey before we enjoy the holidays with our families to catch up with my new family in the Bakers, to learn what has been some of the biggest moments for them over the last few weeks, what questions they still have in their hearts, who their eyes are set on, and really just how they're feeling. You know, Meredith and I have become really good friends throughout this podcast, Tara's sister, and I think we're both cut from the same cloth of sarcasm, and I always enjoy getting to talk to her. Well, Meredith, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me. Here we are at another Thursday. How are things going for you and the family? We're, we're doing good. We're doing good. Good, good. Um, well, first thing I want to ask you is, how do you feel about the last, what, 22 plus weeks now, overarchingly? It's It's been a journey. Um, I was, I'll admit, in the beginning, I was kind of afraid that this was going to end up like all the other projects that we had done where we really didn't get any answers and we didn't go anywhere. It, it's just amazing what we've uncovered in these 20 weeks. And I am so thankful for everything that you have done and just your approach. I mean, that's what really sold me on it is when you came and you said, I want to tell Tara's story, not Tara's murder. I want to tell Tara's story. And I think that that's what we've done. And I think that it's just, it's amazing what we've uncovered. Absolutely. And, and you know, one thing that I think is really overarching, even though we haven't completely figured out the, the mystery yet, we, we have covered a lot of ground. I mean, when we came into this, your family still had questions about even Tara's injuries 20 years ago. And um, oh, you know. absolutely. We still didn't. We still didn't know what the definitive cause of death was. We, we we didn't even know definitively what what was injured. Just finding that out was amazing because I, I think that knowing basically the same as what the public does. It just it kind of I don't know how to describe it. It, it hurts that there's so much you don't know about someone that you knew so intimately mm-hmm. and for it to be something as tragic as her death and to not know any more than, you know, somebody you're passing on the street. It's just as heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
What would you say with that has been probably the biggest moment of revelation so far for you? The moment that your jaw just dropped regarding anything that we've talked about, covered, or, you know, had late night phone conversations about over the last several months? Just one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, take it away. Um, I think the most notable moment for me was finding out that someone that had been mentioned to my mother years ago and someone that I had brought forward to the police years ago is saying, we have been told that this person is involved and it being completely dismissed saying, oh, well, he's just trying to get street cred. And then we find out that he is connected to multiple persons that, that have information that have come forward and that he quite possibly had the laptop. And it's just, it blows my mind because we knew about this person years ago and the police were like, oh no, he's nobody. He's just trying to get street cred. He's trying to look, you know, bad to his other friends. But then when you have somebody who comes to you and says that they, they heard from him almost verbatim, what I read in an autopsy report is just it's insane to me that this person was just completely ignored and dismissed as having any sort of involvement period. Absolutely. And you know, I think I remember when I called you about that, I was even like jaw on the floor. I can't believe the things that I've just heard. This is bizarre. Um, the, the, the similarities that were, were mentioned by someone second or maybe even third hand that were so accurate. Right. I mean, you would think that at some point, you know, telephone would pop in and there would be some things that were skewed but for it to be so similar that you just can't make that stuff up mm-hmm. and can i just clarify for listeners we are talking about ant um in regards to this yes okay yes we are we are referring to ant and the fact that he has been connected with so many other people who can go back and say yes i remember him i remember that he hung out with this person being the, the other person of interest, mm-hmm. it, it's just, it, it's such a, a web. One thing that you said in the beginning that really stuck with a lot of listeners, I'm going to replay that for them really quick, um, was talking about how you did have in your mind someone that might be involved. Let's take a listen to that. If it is who the police say it is, if I, I just want them to know that I know who they are. I know where they live. I know so much about their lives. And it makes me sick to think that these people have a family. And, you know, whether they're shaking someone's hand or giving them a hug, they know what they're capable of. They know what they did. And they still don't bat an eye. Mm. And I find it hard to believe that somebody hasn't cracked yet. I, I I just, I can't understand the weight or, or being able to carry something like that for so long and not having an absolute breakdown and cracking and telling someone. So now that we've come so far, Meredith, looking back on those words, would you say that your focus is still in that same direction or would you say that your focus has changed some? Oh, it has absolutely changed. That... That idea came from when I, when my husband and I met with the police in 2018, 
this was the first time that that person had been mentioned to me. Mm-hmm. The first time that this, the, the whole scenario, you mm-hmm. know, putting together, well, this is what happened. That was the first time that I guess this back pattern had been presented to me. Mm-hmm. And I just felt deflated. Um, Cause in my mind, I was like, this, this is personal. It has to be personal. This wasn't just, you know, a, a burglar gone awry because you don't go to someone's home thinking to, to steal stuff, to flip for drug money and leave the jewelry and leave earrings in a person's ears. I don't care what happens. You don't sit there and grab the largest thing you can find that can be traced that, you know, has identification numbers on it that, it, I mean, the, the computer back was left for crying out loud. Why would you just grab a laptop if you're simply there to steal stuff for money? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. And it it never did sit well with me. It just, it, I could not put the puzzle together with this person of interest. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it never sat right with me, but that's what the police were telling me. And if you cross my line of vision in regards to this case, I'm going to find out everything I can about you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Um, and going over these last 20 weeks, every time somebody popped up on the radar, you better believe I found out everything I could about that person. And isn't it interesting that the person we're discussing, which is the maintenance man that police told the family about in 2006, isn't it interesting that he's probably been the person the least amount of information has come forward about? Exactly. Exactly. And it's just, like I said, none of it makes any sense. I mean, we have a video of him at the scene. We've shown it to experts and they've all said the same thing. No, this person does not look like they're guilty. He, this is a self hug. He's soothing here because he probably thinks his job's on the line, not because he thinks he's been implicated mm-hmm. or that he's guilty. Absolutely. Um, there were a few listener questions that I wanted to get to, uh, Meredith. One of them is, and I know that you've seen this, there has been a lot of questions and back and forth as to what people want to know regarding DNA evidence in Tara's case. Can you put a rest to that for us now and tell us what you believe and have been told regarding whether or not Tara's case will be solved by DNA evidence? I honestly don't know. Mm -hmm. I would like to believe what the police have told me. Um, When my husband and I went and sat down in September it it was still very fuzzy in the air I was told in 2018 this can you corroborate what I was told and finally it just came down to my husband said do you have any unmatched DNA do you have DNA that you have not matched with someone else and the answer was no Mm -hmm. now do I know that to be true? Do I know that every single piece of DNA has been exhausted? No, because we've been told so many things in the past that turned out to not be true. And, you know, we have no idea who those samples were compared against either. Ex- exactly. Exactly. So I don't know what to believe. Mm-hmm. I would like to think, you know, like we, we read about these cases from 1978 that were solved from DNA that they scraped off a boot that belonged to somebody that was wandering through the woods suffering from gunshot, you know? <laughs> right. I would like to think that something like that could happen. Mm-hmm. 
but I just don't know. Absolutely, absolutely. And I hope that we will, and I hope that the police are exhausting those leads, of course, if there are some that exist. Meredith, as we head into this break, we are um, going to continue our work on this case and continue digging without the stresses of, you know, podcast production. What do you want people to know as we're pausing? What do you want people to do? What do you want them to remember? I want them to remember Tara, and I think that, I think that they do have a good understanding of what kind of person she was, who she was as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want people to, to don't forget who we're doing this for. This is not about me. This is not about my mother. This is not about my father. Would I like to get answers from my mother before she leaves this world? Absolutely. Do I want to solve this and not leave this as a burden on the next generation? Absolutely. But this isn't about me. It's not about the next generation, and it's not about my mother. This is about finding justice for Tara, someone who believed in the system so much. I cannot allow it to be let down. Mm-hmm. I just can't. And I, I don't want this investigation to live longer than she did. You know, she died the day before her 24th birthday, and this is about to be the 20th anniversary of her death. And I just, I can't make it, I, I, I can't let it make it to 24. I just can't. Well, me and you together partnered um, our bulldogs. I jokingly said as I introduced you that I think we were cut from the same cloth of sarcasm. Um, so I think I think us together, um, we're doing great work, Meredith, and I look forward to continuing to find answers and seek justice with you and your family. So thank you so much for taking time to talk with me, for your candor, um, and for always being uh, willing to speak uh, out for listeners to hear. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next, Kevin is joining us, and when we got to talk this afternoon, he was celebrating quite the special day. All right, well, Kevin, it's so good to talk to you again, and I hear that someone has a special birthday on Classic City Crime Thursdays, so happy birthday to you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to check in with you. You know, we're getting ready to break for the holidays, and I just wanted to check in with members of the Baker family and just ask you, how have you felt about the last, what, 20-plus weeks that we've been doing this now? What comes to your mind and heart when you think about all that we've learned and uncovered? I would probably say the biggest thing is I'm surprised and humbled by the outcry of how many people have been avidly following this and people who have come out of the woodwork to, to show their support. I think that's huge. You know, we've learned a lot of things. We've uncovered a lot. I mean, honestly, there are things that I don't think anybody would have ever have even looked at if it wasn't for you and your investigative team. And other people come into light that have been willing to talk. So I definitely am very, very blessed to have you guys around and everybody who's come out of the woodwork to share their story. I think that's huge. So true. And, you know, I couldn't do this alone. I have... Not only the help of the community, but the help of, you know, former law enforcement officials, um, people that have studied the psychology of people who commit crimes like this, uh, Jeff Reinick of the FBI. I'm so grateful for all of them. Kevin, what has been for you the biggest bombshell during this whole process? What's the one thing we've uncovered that makes you go, man, that is something big that we didn't know before? Honestly, it would have to be suspect number three's stories, to be honest with you. He was, you know, kind of always in the background of a thought but yeah his his whole demeanor and interviews and people um giving their testimonials about him definitely mm-hmm. um and then i'd have to say the clarification on the boyfriend you know that was something that i carried with me for a long time and for him to be so public about it has just given me a sense of 
cleansing in my internal soul, I guess, because it was really tough because I, I knew him, you know, and he wasn't a stranger to me. And for a long time, I carried that with me that I, that I knew what he looked like. I knew who he was. I knew his personality. Um, but for that to be, uh, wiped clean is huge. Um, and I wish nothing but the best for him for sure. You know, Uh, so that's probably the biggest thing for me. You know, I think that's really interesting you bring that up because, um, you know, I think when I called Meredith, I didn't say I want to solve Tara's case or that we're going to solve it necessarily right out. I said I want to tell her story and see what happens. And the fact that even in telling that story, we might not have found exactly who did it yet. We have, you know, reached conclusions as to the people who did not do it. And I think that's just as much important, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he's been you know, probably shrouded in mystery for the last 20 years. And the fact that he was able to come and uh, give his side of the story and people can actually look at him in, di- uh, in a different light is huge. If anything else, you know, he's he's been given the justice that he needs. And one thing that I wanted to ask you, you know, we're about to break for the holidays. Uh, we want to give your family time to get through the holidays, us time to get through the holidays, but we're going to still keep this search active. We're going to be able to take on a lot more um, research and a lot more time really interviewing people without having to worry about the production of the podcast too. So as we get ready to do that, what would you say to listeners that are listening? How can they stay engaged? What would you say to people who might still have information? Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, as we're going into the holiday season, naturally take notes, um, review your notes, reread it, re-listen to all the episodes. I mean, you can have a marathon listening party with you and your friends you know again be mindful of some conspiracy theories as it's you know we don't want to implicate anybody but my most important thing that i can say is if you haven't signed that petition continue to sign it you know i I checked it today and we were pushing about 1180 last i checked which was a couple hours ago i know i was talking to my mom about it today we'd love to see it get to 2000 Mm -hmm. so that's that's huge But the biggest thing that I can say for our podcast listeners is to focus on your family during the holiday season. A lot of people may or may not know that Christmas was the last time I was able to see Tara. That was the last time we all saw her, you know, and as a kid, you know, I'm downstairs playing in the basement, playing video games or playing a pool at my grandma's house, you know, and I didn't have time to really, I didn't spend time with Tara because I was, you know, it's. I mean, I'm a 10 year old kid. I didn't really think anything could ever happen to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing that I can say is spend time with your loved ones, spend time with the ones who may not be here next year. You know, I, I will never spend another Christmas with my dad. I will never know spend another Christmas with Tara. And all I have is the last time that I spent with her, which was the holiday season. And all I can say is spend time with your loved ones. Uh, because Tara was not able, will never be able to do that. The best way to honor her is to spend time with your loved ones, share her story to those who want to hear it, and you know, focus on being the best person that you can be, and continue to share her story to as many people as we can do it. You know, we want to touch lives here and change people's lives, even if it's how people see themselves or how they're gonna conduct themselves uh, when living on their own or taking safety precautions, all that stuff. I encourage people to do that. So most importantly, sign the petition and 
give yourself the time to spend quality time with your loved ones during the holiday season. That's the best thing I can tell people to do. Absolutely, and you make a good point that as people gather with their loved ones, um, especially those who might have knowledge of this case, keep your eyes and ears peeled. Kevin, love you, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. A reminder that Brother Adam is currently serving our country. So on this Veterans Day, or what will be Veterans Day as of recording time, I want to say thank you to him and all of our men and women in uniform who continue to keep our country safe. Finally, I want you to hear from my dear sweet friend, Miss Virginia, who still issues a mother's plea and still has a lot on her heart and her mind as we continue searching for the truth. I love you. It's good to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Cameron. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm ready for the holidays and just wanted to check in with you um, as we do head into this holiday season. Um, You know, we've done a lot over these last 20 weeks. I'm so grateful to have gotten to know you and I don't think listeners probably realize how much you and I talk when we're not doing the podcast, but um, nonetheless... I think I've adopted you. (laughs) Well, I I counted an (laughs) honor. (laughs) Um, But I just wanted to check in and see if there was anything you wanted to say to uh, listeners, um, the people that have been engaged in helping us get this story out there. Oh, absolutely. First of all, I want to wish everybody wonderful holiday season and just merry, merry Christmas. Spend time with family and friends and get some rest. And then when we start back up in January, please stay engaged with us. Please don't give up on this. And I thank you so much for all of your time and your efforts and your questions. And keep your notebooks handy Uh, If you have time, listen again, write down all the things that you think of that might need to be answered still, and one of you may have the absolute missing pieces to the puzzle, even if you don't think you do. You might put together some things that even Cameron's brilliant brain hasn't come (laughs) up with yet. That is totally true. You know, we've we've said this from the beginning, haven't we, that, you know, all that all that has lacked in this case over 20 years is the ability just to ask for help. Absolutely. And um, I think that this petition may help with that. Mm-hmm. And please, please, if you haven't signed the petition, please do so. And please ask your friends to do so. It doesn't take but a minute, and it could make a big difference. We just don't want to see this happen to other families And we very much want to get this case either declared cold or into other hands so that we can get some fresh eyes on it. Because Cameron has done so much and walked so far down this path to resolution. And he's uncovered so much that maybe some new eyes can have something else to look at now. And I just cannot ever express to all of you how much it means to me that you have taken Tara into your hearts and have listened to her story over the last 21, I guess it'll be 22 Mm -hmm. weeks now. And it just means the world to me. And I just feel so much love from all of you. And I feel like we have created a wonderful, loving community. And I cannot thank Cameron enough. I call him my young Sherlock because <laughs> his mind is absolutely brilliant. Oh, well. And just thank you, everybody. 
Now, there's one member of the Baker family who we've never gotten to hear from, because as fate would have it, he passed away a few years ago. Who? Tara's father, the man who carried this fight after her death, her champion. But I did uncover a brief snippet of audio of him reminding everyone of the way to keep Tara alive. Everything you do, she'll be with you. As long as you remember, she will live forever. Our hearts. Please, don't That last word there, hard to hear, but Lindsay Baker saying, please don't forget her. So as you can see, we are taking a pause to investigate, to reflect, and to breathe over the next few weeks. But make no mistake, the fight and search is not over. Not for this family, and definitely not for me. Stay tuned for updates, and do not worry if something big comes out, particularly that communication and correspondence with a prisoner I've been talking to you about. I will definitely keep you updated. There's a lot going on here at Classic City Crime. New leads, new stories, and new information that we're going to hone in on, work to validate, and bring you when we return in January with the story of Tara Louise Baker. January 19th, 2021 will mark 20 years since Tara Baker was killed. 20 years, her murderer has walked free. 20 years with no truth until now. We'll see you then. I'm Cameron J. Stay well, everybody. Classic City Crime is hosted by me, Cameron J., co-produced and designed by Kyle Kazaya. Be sure to visit us online at ClassicCityCrime.com. During this break, if you have information or feel compelled to come forward, feel free to email us at ClassicCityCrime at gmail.com. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate five-star rating and review. We appreciate all of you. Stay well, be well, 